Welcome to the All-American Chapel Protestant Service Podcast. This week's sermon will be given by Chaplain Dominic Grotti. So the sign said, no turnaround for 30 miles. Ugh, I'm so late. You've been there, right? Okay, there's two problems, right? First, I was a college student headed to a panhandle town in Oklahoma. That's where my friend Scott was getting married. He lived in a panhandle town in Oklahoma, right? Who lives there? The problem that you had to go through Oklahoma City to get there. And this, this point is probably 20 years ago. Oklahoma City was just covered in construction. So first problem, he lived in a panhandle town. Second problem, you had to go through Oklahoma City. I missed the exit. You've all been there, right? You missed the exit. All these construction signs. Maybe I wasn't paying attention because I was hungry and I was looking for like McDonald's signs, but I missed the highway that I needed to go. And all of a sudden, I wind up on a toll road that says no turnaround for 30 miles. Signs are important, right? They're key. They give us directions where we need to go. They give us instructions that warn us. Signs are important, but they do me no good if I don't listen to them, if I ignore them. They do me no good if I'm not paying attention to the signs that are already there. And I want you to think about that as we drive. We pay attention to signs all the time. So yesterday, I'm picking up my family from the Raleigh airport, right? I see a sign that says Terminal 1, get in these two lanes, so I get in those lanes. I see a sign that says Arrivals and Parking, I get into that lane, I exit that way, and I trust that it will where? It will lead me to where I need to go. And guess what? It did. I was able to pick up my family. It led me exactly where I needed to go. Why? Why did I trust that sign? Because I knew the authority from which it came. I saw the sign, and I trusted it, and I followed. Now compare that to me following no signs and just turning the radio up and just singing my song all the way through Oklahoma City until I wind up on a toll road. When you ignore the signs, it can cost you, and that toll road was not cheap, right? Because you got to go 30 miles up and 30 miles back. I barely made it in time to my friend's wedding. It can cost you. We're starting a new series on the Gospel of John. Okay? And we're starting with these two verses, chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. Patrick read it earlier. It is John's purpose statement for the Gospel that he wrote. And in it, he mentions the word signs. Again, signs are key. They give us instructions where we need to go. They give us a message that is important, that can even save lives. And just as we read signs physically on a road, John is saying, God gives us signs. And we have to follow those. But they do me no good if I ignore them. 
It doesn't matter if the sign is there, if I drive right on by because I'm focused on other things in my life. Maybe it's my career, maybe it's my family, maybe it's my status, my promotions, maybe it's all sorts of things that can get our focus, that can get our attention. And John is saying, stop, follow the signs to Christ. John, the reason why he wrote this gospel was this, Christ's signs lead to faith in him. Christ's signs lead you and me ultimately to his life. But the problem is often we don't follow signs. Back to me, to my friend Scott's wedding, I ignored the signs that were there. Or maybe they were just lost in a sea of other signs. Either way, it cost me. And the same works spiritually that we, without the signs of Christ, we are going to miss out and we won't know our own way to God. We won't come up with a way to salvation by grace through faith. We won't find a Savior on our own. We'll come up with our own ways. Oh, I missed the exit there. I'm going to go around this way and that way. God, I, I know that I can get off and follow you 20 years from now when my career's done. When my family has gotten where we need to go. When I've reached my plan. And God's saying it doesn't work that way. There's not several different ways to get there. There is one way to get there. And that was the reason why John was giving us this gospel so that you and I and every other reader that would read it, that we would see the signs that lead to life. And we would follow after him. Ladies and gentlemen, what we're going to do in this new series with the Gospel of John, week in and week out, we're going to spend several weeks, and we're going to look at each week a sign of Christ that will discover or that will reveal to us who he is and who it is you worship, that he is your cornerstone, Christ alone. And it's an opportunity for you and me to be led to faith. And just think, we can act like me driving on, on our way to Scott's wedding, and we can ignore the signs, because that's the problem. We get distracted. With directions, I can figure it out. I can, I can circumnavigate and, and change my azimuth and, and then kind of correct for, for that. And then all of a sudden, we wind up lost, right? You've ever been lost? Scary feeling. And what John is saying is, on your own, you are lost. You have no chance of belief. You have no chance of coming up a way of salvation. We come up with our own way, and it's works. We come up with our own way, and it's, it's grading against each other and say, I'm pretty good compared to this person. I've done just as many good deeds as this person. And John is saying, no, we must follow his signs. Christ's signs show us the way to life. I want you to hear that again because that's the bottom line of this message. That's what this is your walk away. If you're taking notes, I would encourage you to write this down. And I would just challenge you to memorize this. Because this is the theme throughout the whole Gospel of John. Christ's signs show us the way that leads to life. And I'll say it again, Christ's signs show us the way that leads to life. No matter where you're at spiritually, 
that is the challenge for you to walk away with here and today. So how can a lost people have faith in him? On our own, we don't know the way. But John has given us the answer. He has said, see Christ and believe. And that's what we see in chapter 20, verses 30 through 31. Therefore, many other signs Jesus also performed in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. So again, if Christ's signs, if Christ's signs show us the way that leads to life, we see first in verse 30 is this. Christ's signs show us he is the way. Let me say that again. Christ's signs show us he is the way. See, John, again, he used the word signs for a specific purpose. It wasn't by accident that he put that there. The Greek word is semia, and it's literally defined as, I want to make sure I don't get it wrong. It's literally defined as this, a sign given especially to confirm or authenticate. Again, a sign given especially to confirm or authenticate. Attesting miracles is how it's literally translated in, um, in several other translations in the Bible. And it's used dozens of times in the New Testament, authenticating Christ and his purpose and who he is, literally doing actions, real historical actions, miracles, that no mere man could ever replicate or ever take credit for. See, when Jesus was healing crowds... And when he was feeding the 5,000, and when he was turning water into wine, and when he was bringing Lazarus back to life and calming the sea, he was doing something that no other man could do. And he was showing that he is the way. And just like a sign that I read and it says one way, or a sign that's on Highway 1 when I'm on my way to Raleigh, and it says, do not enter here, it is a sign that is a warning, it is a sign that has a message, and I must follow that sign. And John is saying in the same way that these miracles were not just something that he had to do just to show off. Instead, they were done with a purpose. These signs, historical, actual, so that you and I could read of them and follow him in his way. And so to understand a little bit, we're going to just dive into the nature of a sign. So there's just three quick natures of a sign that why John would use this. He would use this term. First, a sign always has an author. You may be saying, Dom, that's, that's kind of incredibly obvious. But sometimes we, we f skip over the obvious, or at least I do. Maybe, maybe it's just me. A sign has to be placed by something by someone, by a, created by an author or an authority. This is no different as in, as in that one-way sign or as in that, that stoplight or that stop sign that's placed there. It doesn't just happen by accident. And what John is saying is Jesus' miracles were no accident, that he placed them there so that we could see. He placed them there to reveal himself to us, to say, I am the way. You should follow after me. Whatever direction you're going now, whether it's a work salvation, whether you're just trying to earn your way to heaven, he's saying, stop going that direction and follow after me. Because I have placed this sign there. I am the authority. 
And just like you and I trust the authority of a sign in the road, we should trust that he has placed it there. That brings us to the second. The second nature of a sign is a sign must be visible for its intended audience. Again, those signs, if if there's an exit sign that is invisible or a speed limit sign that's invisible, it does mean no good, right? Brings you back to Dukes of Hazard and all the speed traps. But a sign by its very nature must be visible for its intended audience. And the scripture says, in the presence of his disciples and many others saw him. Crowds saw him. Pharisees saw him. Believing and unbelieving saw who he was and saw his signs. Visible for his intended audience so that we might believe. And that brings us to the third point. Every sign has a message. Again, you're like, Dom, okay, Captain Obvious, all of this is just incredibly obvious, but we, we often ignore the obvious. Those signs had a purpose. More than just Jesus having compassion on the crowd, more than him just wanting to help those people in need, and he absolutely did, there was a purpose behind his miracles. Each miracle demonstrated that Christ had had a mission, and that was for us to follow after him, that he is the way. Stopping wherever we're, direction we're going and following after him. John 14, 6 says this. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. And the same message applies to you and me as we read it today. Church, are you following his signs? In your life, I'm not just saying, hey, I attend church or I do good things. I say I'm a Christian when people ask. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commandments. Jesus said, I am the only way that you can come to the Father. And so you as a father, you as a mother, you as a brother, sister, or a son or a daughter, you as a soldier, whatever context you want to put yourself in, are you willing to follow the way? Because he has revealed himself to you. He has shown his signs. And now that you've come face to face with that, you've become face to face with the question of of faith and of belief. And Christ is challenging you to say, I have revealed myself. Will you follow me? Because he alone is the way. But not only do we see in verses 30 and 31 that he is the way, we see that he is the good news. Verse 31 says this, but these have been written so that you, these have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. See, Jesus came with good news, and he is the good news. These have been written so that you may believe Jesus is the Christ. These miracles show us why Jesus came. He came to save and restore us to God. When Jesus said the Christ, he knew that every knowledgeable Greek reader and every Hebrew who read this, every Jew, would know what the Messiah, what the Christ was. It's literally translated in the Old Testament as the anointed one. 
Jesus read in Luke 4, 18, he said this. He, speaking of God the Father, he anointed me to bring the good news to the poor, to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free. Jesus knew the claim he was staking then, that he was from the line of David and that he would restore the kingdom. He would bring the kingdom of God. And everyone, John knew, everyone that would see the miracles and see the signs of Christ knew that the message was this, I am your Savior. I am the one that can restore you to God. I am the one that can die on the cross for your sins. I am the one that can restore your relationships here on this earth as they were long meant to be. I am the good news. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And that's what the signs of Christ were revealing. From the first miracle all the way to the last miracle, that he had a purpose. He came to be the Messiah. And he is your good news. But it's not just his purpose. We see the second phrase John uses. He says this again. These have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Where Jesus' title, Christ, explained his purpose, John also knew that the attesting miracles would lead us to know his identity. He's the creator, the ruler over all the nature. When he said, peace be still, and the waves were forced to obey, then the disciples said, what nature of man is this that even the creation, even nature has to obey him? When he said to Lazarus, come forth, that which is dead was given life. He has power over creation. He has power over death and life. Jesus was proclaiming his identity, that he is the son of God. Ladies and gentlemen, when we see the miracles of Christ, yes, we see he is the Messiah. We see he is the purpose. We see that he is our Savior, but we also see that he is the great I am. And Peter, in his confession, his great confession, right? When Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Because the rest of the, the world was saying, some say I'm a great prophet. Some say I'm a great teacher. There's still crowds that say that today. And Jesus says, looks to his disciples and looks to us in the same way. He says, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. You know what Jesus' response was to him? He said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you. Peter, you did not figure this out on your own. You did not use your deductive reasoning skills and say, oh, hey, you're the God. You're the one that saved me. He said, it was revealed to you by my Father in heaven. All American, we would not know who Christ is if he had not revealed himself to us, if he had not shown his signs of life to us, his miracles that you and me could not replicate or ever take credit for. And when we go through the Gospel of John, he had one purpose for us to see who he is that he is the great I am, and to see what he can do for you as the Messiah giving you life. 
And just like Peter, we're forced with a question of faith when we see him. When you see miracle after miracle after miracle, week after week, when we're in the Gospel of John, you will see a sign of Christ, and then another sign of Christ, and then another sign of Christ. And John knew that when we see those miracles, it invokes a faith within us that inspires a church to be transformed. And that leads us to the last point, to the third point. And that's the very back, the, the very end of, of verse 31, chapter 20. And it says this. And that believing you may have life in his name. So again, once we see his way, and once we see that he is the gospel, that the message of his signs are, are that he has come to save us, and that he is the great I am, where does it lead us? It says in verse 31, and that believing you may have life in his name. So yes, Christ's signs show he is the way. Christ's signs show that he is the good news. Christ's signs lead us to his life. That you may have life in his name. John is showing ultimately where belief, where faith leads us to eternal life. We are saved. We are redeemed. The life we were meant to have from the beginning has been restored to us. John 3.16, for whosoever believes in him, what, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. First John chapter 5, he says, God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son does not have life. Again, there is one way to the father. No one can come except through Christ. And that's why Peter could make that confession to the Pharisees, the same ones that had Jesus killed. He said, there is no other name given to man by which we may be saved except through Christ. It leads to life. Faith in him leads to eternal life. So that we would be with him for all eternity. This is the gospel for me and for you. That though we have earned an eternity of sin and punishment and wrath due to our sin, that on the cross it has been exchanged for righteousness and eternal life. That is the gospel. That is the good news. That's what John wanted to reveal to us by writing down these signs. Eternal life could be yours and could be mine. It does not matter the depth of your sin. It does not matter the depth of what you have done. God's grace is bigger. God's grace is stronger. The cross, the forgiveness, that's what John is teaching throughout all of his gospels, that he is faithful and just if we confess our sins to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But John was not just talking about an eternal life. See, in verse 31, that, that phrase, you may have life, literally is translated, you may be having life. All right, Dom, I didn't know you were going to have an English lesson in this. It's important to catch that. Because you may be having carries an ongoing, present, continual tense. Did you hear me? That life is ongoing, that life is present here and now, that life is continual. 
Jesus put it this way in John 10. He said, I have come that you may have life and life to the full. Full, abundantly. So life is not just eternal, life is abundant. John, throughout his gospel, throughout his writings, he speaks of a transformation that overcomes believers, that comes within us. He speaks of a selfish people that are transformed to those who would love one another as Christ has loved them. He speaks of a fearful people who all of a sudden when the spirit emboldens them they are bold and courageous an argumentative divided people who are transformed into a church that is united with one gospel with one purpose his glory the life that he offers by us having faith is not just eternal it's a life of peace of joy, of restoration, relationships restored, divorces coming back together. People that you've never talked to for 20, 30 years that you thought would never come to know Christ. That's the power of the gospel. In your life, and if you want his abundant life, what John said is this, believe. See Christ and believe and by believing that you would be having his life so all american this is a challenge after you've read and heard of christ's miraculous signs what do you believe he is the son of god miracle after miracle has showed us has revealed to us who he is that the very creation has to obey him that death cannot overwhelm him. So who do you say that he is? Peter gave his confession. After he saw, after he saw, after he saw, time and time and time again, a miracle. Christ revealing himself to you. Is he who he claims to be? In my life, is he my Lord and Savior? John understood seeing Christ leads us to true belief in his purpose and in his identity. So that's the challenge, that's the walk away. Do you have life in his name? Simple question. Because if you don't have the son, you don't have life. And that's not just the question where you say, well, chaplain, I've been going to church for 20 years. I've trusted in Christ, so this sermon is only for the lost. Because what John was saying is this. You should follow after his way whether you've trusted in Christ 20 years ago or you're just coming to know him now. Because the more you see Christ, the stronger your faith grows and the more life you have in Christ here and now. And so if your faith is struggling, my answer to you is this, see Christ. And if you have not even come to know Christ yet, my answer to you is this, see Christ. See what he has done for you. All American, what has he done? He gave his life on the cross. That who would ever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so in just a moment, we're going to close. We're going to get a chance to respond to him. We'll open this altar up for you. Maybe it's just you and God that you need to deal with things. 
Maybe you need to come find a chaplain and pray with him and say, I don't know what God is calling me, but I know that he's drawing me. He is showing me the signs of who he is. I don't know what to do next. Or maybe it's just a friend you need, that you came with. I'm going to challenge you to respond to him. Kelly and the praise team, they're going to come back up here. And we're going to sing that song about Christ alone being our cornerstone. It's your opportunity to give your confession. It's your opportunity to recognize, to say, okay, see Christ and believe. The signs of Christ lead us to life. The signs of Christ show us the way that leads to life. It's that simple. So I'm going to just have the chaplains raise their hand right now who, who would be willing. If, if anybody wants to speak with a chaplain after this, just come find us. We'll talk to you about who Christ is and what he's done. And I'll just challenge you with this. The gospel is really clear. It's simple as this. My sin earned me an eternity of punishment and wrath separated from God in hell. Your sin is the same. We are lost, and we cannot believe without him. And so Christ revealed himself. He came to this earth. He lived a perfect life. And he died on the cross so that your sins and my sins, they could be placed on that cross. And he could take the punishment that you and I deserved. And scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the gospel. And so if you're here and this faith thing and this Christianity thing is not something that you've done before and you're just kind of beginning to understand it, I would just like to invite you to respond to God. He has revealed himself to you. And if you're already a believer and you've been struggling in your faith, I would like to invite you as well as we sing that you would genuinely, sincerely, devotionally give your heart to him and confess who it is he is to you. That he is your Messiah, the son of the living God. He is your savior. It's that simple. This altar is going to be open. You stand in the pew and deal with God there. Come see a chaplain. Respond to God here and now. Pray with me. God, we thank you so much for revealing yourself to me, revealing yourself to us. And as we sing about you being our cornerstone, we just ask, God, that you would lead us to life. That was this week's All-American Chapel Protestant Service podcast. Please tune in for next week's podcast.